0: Monica, Georgina, Yasmin Darcy, Nicole, Kathy Desabre, Canned Rock, Bianca Christine Navia, Hinzi, Julia Robinson, and I want to give a huge birthday shout out to one of our listeners, Laura Stapleton. Happy, happy birthday, Laura, from your loving husband, Greg and your two fur children, Austin and Larry the Shih Tzu. Greg reached out to me to let me know that you both religiously listened to the show and that it's helped you get the sleep that you need, and it was really, really amazing to read. And Greg also, for your birthday, became a uh, patron under your name, so you'll also have access to all of our poetry readings as well. So, thank you a ton for listening, Laura, and happy, happy birthday again from your family, and of course, from me. I hope this episode helps you drift off into a deep, deep slumber. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, all those wonderful names I just read, including Laura, are all brand new patrons of the Sleepy Podcast patreon.com slash sleepy radio a site that you can go on and support creators of the work that you like so if you'd like to be a supporter of the show and uh, have your name read in the opening credits of the sleepy podcast and also get some cool perks like exclusive poetry readings just go to patreon.com slash sleepy radio thank you And as always, the music that you're hearing is by my good friend James Lipkowski, and the cover-up for Sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. Tonight, um, I'm going to be reading from this wonderful collection of Anderson's fairy tales, which has a lot of very nostalgic stories in it. I'm sure some of you might remember, or hopefully not, hopefully you fell asleep, but... I did read The Snow Queen on the show, which was written by him, Um, and uh, that is the original story that inspired Frozen, so his work uh, is very much embedded into all of our collective memories, whether or not we know it, and tonight I'm going to be reading a tale that many of us definitely Grew up with as children. It is The Ugly Duckling. It's very much a bittersweet story, um, and uh, it's very, very nice to fall asleep too. So I'm going to read The Ugly Duckling, and uh, since it's a little shorter, it's going to play over again so you can really drift off while listening to the story. And now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow, just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes. And let me read to you. The Ugly Duckling. The country was very lovely just then. It was summer. The wheat was golden and the oats still green. The hay was stacked in the rich low meadows where the stork marched about on his long red legs, chattering in Egyptian, the language his mother had taught him. Round about field and meadow lay great woods in the midst of which were deep lakes. Yes, the country certainly was lovely. In the sunniest spot stood an old mansion surrounded by a deep moat, and great dock leaves grew from the walls of the house right down to the water's edge. Some of them were so tall that a small child could stand up right under them, and among the leaves it was as secluded as in the depths of the forest, and there a duck was sitting on her nest. Her little ducklings were just about to be hatched, but she was quite tired of sitting, for it had lasted such a long time. Moreover, she had very few visitors, as the other ducks liked swimming about in the moat better than waddling up to sit under the dark leaves and gossip with her. At last, one egg after another began to crack. Cheep, cheap, they said. All the chicks had come to life and were poking their heads out. Quack, quack, said the duck, and then they all quacked their hardest and looked about them on all sides among green leaves. Their mother allowed them to look as much as they liked, for green is good for the eyes. How big the world is, to be sure, said all the young ones. They certainly now have had ever so much more room to move about than when they were inside their eggshells. Do you imagine this is the whole world, said the mother. It stretches a long way on the other side of the garden, right into the parson's field. Though, I have never been as far as that. I suppose you are all here now. She got up and looked about. No, I declare, I have not got you all yet. The biggest egg is still there. How long is this going to take? She said, and settled herself on the nest again. Well, how are you getting on? Said an old duck who had come by to pay her a visit. This one egg is taking such a long time, answered the sitting duck. The shell will not crack. But now you must look at the others. They are the finest ducklings I have ever seen. They are all exactly like their father, the rascal. Yet he never comes to see me. Let me look at the egg, which won't crack, said the old duck. You may be sure that it is a turkey's egg. I was cheated like that once and I had no end of trouble and worry with the creatures for I may tell you that they are afraid of the water. I simply could not get them into it. I quacked and snapped at them but it all did no good. Let me see the egg. Yes, it is a turkey's egg. You just leave it alone and teach the other children to swim. I will sit on it a little longer. I have sat so long already, that I may as well go on, till the midsummer fair comes around. Please yourself, said the old duck, and away she went. At last the big egg cracked. Cheap, cheap, said the young one, and tumbled out. How big and ugly he was. The duck looked at him. That is a monstrous big duckling, she said. None of the others looked like that. Can he be a turkey chick? Well, we shall soon find that out. Into the water he shall go if I have to kick him in myself. Next day it was gloriously fine and the sun shone on all the green duck leaves. The mother duck with her whole family went down to the moat. Splash into the water, she sprang. Quack, quack, she said, and one duckling plumped in after the other. The water dashed over their heads, but they came up again and floated beautifully. Their legs one of themselves, and they were all there. Even the big, ugly gray one swam about with them. No, that is no turkey, she said. See how beautifully he uses legs and how erect he holds himself. He is my own chick, after all, and I'm bad looking when you come to look at him properly. Quack, quack. Now come with me, and I will take you out into the world and introduce you to the duckyard. But keep close to me all the time so that no one will tread upon you. And beware of the cat. Then they went into the duckyard. There was a fearful uproar going on, for two broods were fighting for the head of an eel. And in the end, the cat captured it. That's how things go in this world said the mother duck and she licked her bill, because she had wanted the eel's head herself. Now, use your legs, said she. Mind you quack properly and bend your necks to the old duck over there. She is the grandest of us all. She has Spanish blood in her veins and that accounts for her size. And do you see? She has a red rag round her leg. That is a wonderfully fine thing, and the most extraordinary mark of distinction any duck can have. It shows clearly that she is not to be parted with, and that she is worthy of recognition, both by beasts and by men. Quack now. Don't turn your toes in. A well-brought-up duckling keeps his legs wide apart, just like father and mother. That's it. Now bend your necks and say quack. They did as they were bid. But the other ducks round about looked at them and said, quite loud, just look there. Now we are to have that try, just as if there were not enough of us already. And, oh dear, how ugly that duckling is. We won't stand him. And a duck flew at him at once and bit him on the neck let him be said the mother he's doing no harm very likely not said the biter but he is so ungainly and queer that he must be whacked those are handsome children mother has said the old duck with the rag round her leg they are all good looking except this one but he is not a good specimen. It's a pity we can't make him over again. That can't be done, your grace, said the mother duck. He is not handsome, but he is a thoroughly good creature, and he swims as beautifully as any of the others. I think I might venture even to add that I think he will improve as he goes on, or perhaps in time he may grow smaller. He was too long in the egg, and so he has not come out with a very good figure. And then she patted his neck and stroked him down. Besides, he is a drake, said she, so it does not matter so much. I believe he will be very strong, and I don't doubt but he will make his way in the world. The other ducklings are very pretty, said the old duck. Now, make yourselves quite at home, and if you find the head of an eel, you may bring it to me. After that, they felt quite at home, but the poor duckling, who had been the last to come out of the shell, and who was so ugly, was bitten, pushed about, and made fun of both by ducks and by the hens. He is too big, they all said. And the turkey cock, who was born with his spurs on, and therefore thought himself quite an emperor, puffed himself up like a vessel in full sail, made for him, and gobbled and gobbled till he became quite red in the face. The poor duckling was at his wit's end, and did not know which way to turn. He was in despair. Because he was so ugly and the butt of the whole duckyard. So the first day passed, and afterwards matters grew worse and worse. The poor duckling was chased and hustled by all of them. Even his brothers and sisters ill used him. They were always saying, If only the cat would get hold of you you hideous object. Even his mother said, I wish to goodness you were miles away. The ducks bit him, the hens pecked him, and the girl who fed them kicked him aside. Then he ran off, and flew right over the hedge, where the little birds flew up into the air in a fright. That is because I am so ugly, thought the poor duckling, shutting his eyes, but he ran on all the same. Then he came to a great marsh, where the wild ducks lived. He was so tired and miserable that he stayed there the whole night. In the morning, the wild ducks flew up to inspect their new comrade. What sort of creature are you? they inquired as the duckling turned from side to side and greeted them as well as he could. You are frightfully ugly, said the wild ducks, but that does not matter to us, so long as you do not marry into our family. Poor fellow. He had not thought of marriage. All he wanted was permission to lie among the rushes and to drink a little of the marsh water. He stayed there two whole days. Then two wild geese came, or rather two wild ganders. They are not long out of the shell, and therefore rather pert. I say, comrade, they said, you are so ugly that we have taken quite a fancy to you. Will you join us and be a bird of passage? There is another marsh close by and there are some charming wild geese there. All are sweet young ladies who can say quack. You are ugly enough to make your fortune among them. Just at that moment bang, bang was heard up above and both the wild geese fell dead among the reeds and the water turned blood red. Bang, bang went the guns, and flocks of wild geese flew from the rushes and the shot peppered among them again. There was a grand shooting party, and the sportsmen lay around, hidden in the marsh. Some even sat on the branches of trees, which overhung the water. The blue smoke rose like clouds among the dark trees and swept over the pool. The retrieving dogs wandered about in the swamp. Splash, splash. The rushes and reeds bent beneath their tread on all sides. It was terribly alarming to the poor duckling. He twisted his head around to get it under his wing. And just at that moment, a frightful big dog appeared close beside him. His tongue hung right out of his mouth and his eyes glared wickedly. He opened his great chasm of a mouth close to the duckling, showed his sharp teeth, and splash, went on without ever touching him. Oh, thank heaven, sighed the duckling. I am so ugly that even the dog won't bite me. Then he lay quite still, while the shots whistled among the bushes and bang after bang rent the air. It only became quiet late in the day, but even the poor duckling did not dare to get up. He waited several hours more before he looked about, and then he hurried away from the marsh as fast as he could. He ran across fields and meadows when there was such a wind that he had hard work to make his way. Towards night, he reached a poor little cottage. It was such a miserable hovel that it could not make up its mind which way even to fall, and so it remained standing. The wind whistled so fiercely around the duckling that he had to sit on his tail to resist it, and it blew harder and ever harder. Then he saw that the door had fallen off one hinge and hung so crookedly that he could creep into the house through the crack and so he made his way into the room. An old woman lived there with her cat and her hand. The cat whom she called Sonny would arch his back, purr, and give off electric sparks if he stroked his fur the wrong way. The head had quite tiny, short legs, and so she was called Chicky Low Legs. She laid good eggs, and now the old woman was as fond of her as if she had been of her own child. In the morning, The strange duckling was discovered immediately and the cat began to purr and the hen to cluck. What on earth is that, said the old woman looking round but her sight was not good and she thought the duckling was a fat duck which had escaped. This is a wonderful find, said she. Now I shall have duck's eggs if only it was not a drake. We must wait and see about that. So she took the duckling on trial for three weeks, but no eggs made their appearance. The cat was master of this house, and the hen its mistress. They always said, we and the world, for they thought that they represented the half of the world and that quite the better half. The duckling thought there might be two opinions on the subject, but the cat would not hear of it. Can you lay eggs? she asked. No. Have the goodness to hold your tongue then. And the cat said, Can you arch your back, purr, or give off sparks? No, then you had better keep your opinions to yourself when people of sense are speaking. The duckling sat in the corner nursing his ill humor. Then he began to think of the fresh air and the sunshine. An uncontrollable longing seized him to float on the water. At last, he could not help telling the hen about it. What on earth possesses you, she asked. You have nothing to do. That is why you get these freaks into your head. Lay some eggs or take to purring and you will get over it. But it is so delicious to float on the water, said the duckling. It is so delicious to feel it rushing over your head when you dive to the bottom. That would be a fine amusement said the hen I think you have gone mad ask the cat about it he is the wisest creature I know ask him if he is fond of floating in water or diving under it I say nothing about myself ask our mistress herself the old woman there is no one in the world cleverer than she is do you suppose she has any desire to float on the water or duck underneath it. You do not understand me, said the duckling. Well, if we don't understand you, who should? I suppose you don't consider yourself cleverer than the cat or the old woman, not to mention me. Don't make a fool of yourself, child, and thank your stars for all the good we have done you. Have you not lived in this warm room and in such society that you might have learned something? But you are an idiot, and there is no pleasure in associating with you. You may believe me. I mean you well. I tell you home truth, and there is no surer way than that of knowing who are one's friends. You just set about laying some eggs, or learned to pearl, or to emit sparks. I think I will go out into the wide world, said the duckling. Oh, do so by all means, said the hen. So, away went the duckling. He floated on the water and ducked underneath it, but he was looked at askance, and was slighted by every living creature for his ugliness. Now autumn came. The leaves in the woods turned yellow and brown. The wind took hold of them and they danced about. The sky looked very cold and the clouds hung heavy with snow and hail. A raven stood on the fence and croaked caw, caw from sheer cold. They made one shiver only to think of it. The poor duckling was certainly in a bad case. One evening, the sun was just setting in wintry splendor when a flock of beautiful large birds appeared out of the bushes. The duckling had never seen anything so beautiful. They were dazzlingly white with long, waving necks. They were swans and uttering a peculiar cry. They spread out their magnificent broad wings and flew away from the cold regions to warmer lands and open seas. They mounted so high, so very high, and the ugly little duckling became strangely uneasy. He circled round and round in the water like a wheel, craning his neck up into the air after them. Then he uttered a shriek so piercing and so strange that he was quite frightened by it himself. Oh, he could not forget those beautiful birds, those happy birds. And as soon as they were out of sight, he ducked right down to the bottom. And when he came up again, he was quite beside himself. He did not know what the birds were or whither they flew, But all the same, he was more drawn towards them than he had ever been by any creatures before. He did not envy them in the least. How could it occur to him even to wish to be such a marvel of beauty? He would have been thankful if only the ducks would have tolerated him among them, the poor ugly creature. The winter was so bitterly cold that the duckling was obliged to swim about in the water to keep it from freezing over. But every night, the hole in which he swam got smaller and smaller. Then it froze so hard that the surface ice cracked and the duckling had to use his legs all the time so that the ice should not freeze around him. Alas, He was so weary that he could move no more, and he was frozen fast into the ice. Early in the morning, a peasant came along and saw him. He went out onto the ice and hammered a hole in it with his heavy wooden shoe and carried the duckling home to his wife. There he soon revived. The children wanted to play with him, but the duckling thawed. They were going to ill-use him and rushed in his fright into the milk pan and the milk spurted out all over the room. The woman shrieked and threw up her hands. Then he flew into the butter cask and down into the meal tub and out again. Just imagine what he looked like by this time. The woman screamed and tried to hit him with the tongs. The children tumbled over one another in trying to catch him, and they screamed with laughter. By good luck, the door stood open, and the duckling flew out among the bushes and the newly fallen snow, and he lay there, thoroughly exhausted. But it would be too sad to mention all the privation and misery he had to go through during the hard winter, When the sun began to shine warmly again, the duckling was in the marsh, lying among the rushes. The larks were singing, and the beautiful spring had come. Then all at once, he raised his wings, and they flapped with much greater strength than before and bore him off vigorously. Before he knew where he was, he found himself in a large garden, where the apple trees were full in blossom, and the air was scented with lilacs, the long branches of which overhung the indented shores of the lake. Oh, the spring freshness was delicious! Just in front of him, he saw three beautiful white swans advancing toward him from a thicket with rustling feathers. They swam lightly over the water. The duckling recognized the majestic birds and he was overcome by a strange melancholy. I will fly to them, the royal birds, and they will hack me to pieces because I, who am so ugly, venture to approach them. But it won't matter. Better be killed by them than be snapped at by the ducks, backed by the hens, spurned by the henwife, or suffer so much misery in the winter. So he flew into the water and swam towards the stately swans. They saw him and darted towards him with ruffled feathers. Kill me, said the poor creature, and he bowed his head towards the water and awaited his death. What did he see reflected in the transparent water? He saw below him his own image, but he was no longer a clumsy, dark gray bird, ugly and ungainly. He was himself a swan. It does not matter in the least having been born in a dockyard If only you come out of a swan's egg. He felt quite glad of all the misery and tribulation he had gone through, for he was the better able to appreciate his good fortune now and all the beauty which greeted him. The big swans swam round and round him and stroked him with their bills. Some little children came into the garden with corn, and pieces of bread, which they threw into the water, and the smallest one cried out, There is a new one. And the other children shouted with joy, Yes, a new one has come. And they flapped their hands and danced about, running after their father and mother. They threw the bread into the water, and one and all said, The new one. ...is the prettiest of them all... ...he is so young and handsome... ...and the old swans bent their heads... ...and did homage before him... ...he felt quite shy... ...and hid his head under his wing... ...he did not know what to think... ...he was very happy... ...but not at all proud... ...for a good heart never becomes proud... He thought of how he had been pursued and scorned and now he heard them all say that he was the most beautiful of all beautiful birds. The lilacs bent their boughs right down into the water before him and the bright sun was warm and cheering. He rustled his feathers and raised his slender neck aloft, saying with exultation in his heart, I never dreamt. I was so much happiness when I was the ugly duckling. The country was very lovely just then. It was summer. The wheat was golden and the oats still green. The hay was stacked in the rich low meadows where the stork marched about on his long red legs, chattering in Egyptian, the language his mother had taught him. Round about field and meadow lay great woods, in the midst of which were deep lakes. Yes, the country certainly was lovely. In the sunniest spot stood an old mansion, surrounded by a deep moat, and great dock leaves grew from the walls of the house right down to the water's edge. Some of them were so tall that a small child could stand up right under them. And among the leaves it was as secluded as in the depths of the forest, and there a duck was sitting on her nest. Her little ducklings were just about to be hatched, but she was quite tired of sitting, for it had lasted such a long time. Moreover, she had very few visitors, as the other ducks liked swimming about in the moat better than waddling up to sit under the dock leaves and gossip with her. Alas, one egg after another began to crack. Cheep, cheap, they said. All the chicks had come to life and were poking their heads out. Quack, quack, said the duck. And then they all quacked their hardest and looked about them on all sides among green leaves. Their mother allowed them to look as much as they liked, for green is good for the eyes. How big the world is, to be sure, said all the young ones. They certainly now have had ever so much more room to move about than when they were inside their eggshells. Do you imagine this is the whole world, said the mother. It stretches a long way on the other side of the garden, right into the parson's field. Though, I have never been as far as that. I suppose you are all here now. She got up and looked about. No, I declare, I have not got you all yet. The biggest egg is still there. How long is this going to take? She said, and settled herself on the nest again. Well, how are you getting on? Said an old duck who had come by to pay her a visit. This one egg is taking such a long time, answered the sitting duck. The shell will not crack. But now you must look at the others. They are the finest ducklings I have ever seen. They are all exactly like their father, the rascal. Yet he never comes to see me. Let me look at the egg, which won't crack, said the old duck. You may be sure that it is a turkey's egg. I was cheated like that once, and I had no end of trouble and worry with the creatures, for I may tell you that they are afraid of the water. I simply could not get them into it. I quacked and snapped at them, but it all did no good. Let me see the egg. Yes, it is a turkey's egg. You just leave it alone and teach the other children to swim. I will sit on it a little longer. I have sat so long already, that I may as well go on, till the midsummer fair comes around. Please yourself, said the old duck, and away she went. At last the big egg cracked. Cheep, cheap, said the young one, and tumbled out. How big and ugly he was. The duck looked at him. That is a monstrous big duckling, she said. None of the others looked like that. Can he be a turkey chick? Well, we shall soon find that out. Into the water he shall go if I have to kick him in myself. Next day it was gloriously fine and the sun shone on all the green duck leaves. The mother duck with her whole family went down to the moat. Splash into the water she sprang. Quack, quack, she said, and one duckling plumped in after the other. The water dashed over their heads, but they came up again and floated beautifully. Their legs one of themselves, and they were all there. Even the big, ugly gray one swam about with them. No, that is no turkey, she said. See how beautifully he uses his legs and how erect he holds himself. He is my own chick, after all, and not bad looking when you come to look at him properly. Quack, quack. Now come with me. And I will take you out into the world and introduce you to the duckyard. But keep close to me all the time so that no one will tread upon you. And beware of the cat. Then they went into the duckyard. There was a fearful uproar going on, for two broods were fighting for the head of an eel. And in the end, the cat captured it. That's how things go in this world said the mother duck and she licked her bill, because she had wanted the eel's head herself. Now, use your legs, said she. Mind you quack properly and bend your necks to the old duck over there. She is the grandest of us all. She has Spanish blood in her veins and that accounts for her size. And do you see? She has a red rag round her leg That is a wonderfully fine thing and the most extraordinary mark of distinction any duck can have. It shows clearly that she is not to be parted with and that she is worthy of recognition both by beasts and by men. Quack now. Don't turn your toes in. A well-brought-up duckling keeps his legs wide apart just like father and mother. That's it. Now bend your necks and say quack they did as they were bid but the other ducks round about looked at them and said quite loud just look there now we are to have that tribe, just as if there were not enough of us already and oh dear how ugly that duckling is we won't stand him and a duck flew at him at once and bit him on the neck Let him be, said the mother. He's doing no harm. Very likely not, said the biter. But he is so ungainly and queer that he must be whacked. Those are handsome children, mother has, said the old duck with a rag round her leg. They are all good looking, except this one. But he is not a good specimen. It's a pity we can't make him over again. That can't be done, your grace, said the mother duck. He is not handsome, but he is a thoroughly good creature, and he swims as beautifully as any of the others. I think I might venture even to add that I think he will improve as he goes on, or perhaps in time he may grow smaller. He was too long in the egg, and so he has not come out with a very good figure. And then she patted his neck and stroked him down. Besides, he is a drake, said she, so it does not matter so much. I believe he will be very strong, and I don't doubt but he will make his way in the world. The other ducklings are very pretty, said the old duck. Now, Make yourselves quite at home And if you find the head of an eel You may bring it to me After that they felt quite at home But the poor duckling Who had been the last to come out of the shell And who was so ugly Was bitten Pushed about and made fun of Both by ducks and by the hens He is too big They all said And the turkey cock, who was born with his spurs on, and therefore thought himself quite an emperor, puffed himself up like a vessel in full sail, made for him, and gobbled and gobbled till he became quite red in the face. The poor duckling was at his wit's end, and did not know which way to turn. He was in despair. Because he was so ugly and the butt of the whole duckyard. So the first day passed, and afterwards matters grew worse and worse. The poor duckling was chased and hustled by all of them. Even his brothers and sisters ill used him. They were always saying, If only the cat would get hold of you you hideous object. Even his mother said, I wish to goodness you were miles away. The ducks bit him, the hens pecked him, and the girl who fed them kicked him aside. Then he ran off, and flew right over the hedge, where the little birds flew up into the air in a fright. That is because I am so ugly, thought the poor duckling shutting his eyes, but he ran on all the same. Then he came to a great marsh, where the wild ducks lived. He was so tired and miserable that he stayed there the whole night. In the morning, the wild ducks flew up to inspect their new comrade. What sort of creature are you? they inquired as the duckling turned from side to side and greeted them as well as he could. You are frightfully ugly, said the wild ducks, but that does not matter to us, so long as you do not marry into our family. Poor fellow. He had not thought of marriage. All he wanted was permission to lie among the rushes and to drink a little of the marsh water. He stayed there two whole days. Then, two wild geese came, or rather, two wild ganders. They are not long out of the shell, and therefore rather pert. I say, comrade, they said, you are so ugly that we have taken quite a fancy to you. Will you join us and be a bird of passage? There is another marsh close by and there are some charming wild geese there. All are sweet young ladies who can say quack. You are ugly enough to make your fortune among them. Just at that moment bang, bang was heard up above and both the wild geese fell dead among the reeds and the water turned blood red. Bang, bang went the guns, and flocks of wild geese flew from the rushes and the shot peppered among them again. There was a grand shooting party, and the sportsmen lay around, hidden in the marsh. Some even sat on the branches of trees, which overhung the water. The blue smoke rose like clouds among the dark trees and swept over the pool. The retrieving dogs wandered about in the swamp. Splash, splash. The rushes and reeds bent beneath their tread on all sides. It was terribly alarming to the poor duckling. He twisted his head round to get it under his wing. And just at that moment, a frightful big dog appeared close beside him. His tongue hung right out of his mouth and his eyes glared wickedly. He opened his great chasm of a mouth close to the duckling, showed his sharp teeth, and, splash, went on without ever touching him. Oh, thank heaven, sighed the duckling. I am so ugly that even the dog won't bite me. Then he lay quite still, while the shots whistled among the bushes and bang after bang rent the air. It only became quiet late in the day, but even the poor duckling did not dare to get up. He waited several hours more before he looked about and then he hurried away from the marsh as fast as he could. He ran across fields and meadows when there was such a wind that he had hard work to make his way. Towards night, he reached a poor little cottage. It was such a miserable hovel that it could not make up its mind which way even to fall, and so it remained standing. The wind whistled so fiercely around the duckling that he had to sit on his tail to resist it, and it blew harder and ever harder. Then he saw that the door had fallen off one hinge and hung so crookedly that he could creep into the house through the crack, and so he made his way into the room. An old woman lived there with her cat and her hen. The cat, whom she called Sonny, would arch his back purr and give off electric sparks if he stroked his fur the wrong way the head had quite tiny short legs and so she was called chicky low legs she laid good eggs and now the old woman was as fond of her as if she had been of her own child in the morning The strange duckling was discovered immediately and the cat began to purr and the hen to cluck. What on earth is that? said the old woman looking round but her sight was not good and she thought the duckling was a fat duck which had escaped. This is a wonderful find, said she. Now I shall have duck's eggs. If only it was not a drake. We must wait and see about that. So she took the duckling on trial for three weeks, but no eggs made their appearance. The cat was master of this house, and the hen its mistress. They always said, we and the world, for they thought that they represented the half of the world and that quite the better half. The duckling thought there might be two opinions on the subject, but the cat would not hear of it. Can you lay eggs? she asked. No. Have the goodness to hold your tongue then. And the cat said, Can you arch your back, purr, or give off sparks? No, then you had better keep your opinions to yourself when people of sense are speaking. The duckling sat in the corner nursing his ill humor. Then he began to think of the fresh air and the sunshine. An uncontrollable longing seized him to float on the water. At last, he could not help telling the hen about it. What on earth possesses you, she asked. You have nothing to do. That is why you get these freaks into your head. Lay some eggs or take to purring and you will get over it. But it is so delicious to float on the water, said the duckling. It is so delicious to feel it rushing over your head when you dive to the bottom. That would be a fine amusement. Said the hen, I think you have gone mad. Ask the cat about it. He is the wisest creature I know. Ask him if he is fond of floating in water or diving under it. I say nothing about myself. Ask our mistress herself, the old woman. There is no one in the world cleverer than she is. Do you suppose she has any desire to float on the water? or duck underneath it. You do not understand me, said the duckling. Well, if we don't understand you, who should? I suppose you don't consider yourself cleverer than the cat or the old woman, not to mention me. Don't make a fool of yourself, child, and thank your stars for all the good we have done you. Have you not lived in this warm room and in such society that you might have learned something? But you are an idiot, and there is no pleasure in associating with you. You may believe me. I mean you well. I tell you home truth, and there is no surer way than that of knowing who are one's friends. You just set about laying some eggs, or learn to purr, or to emit sparks. I think I will go out into the wide world, said the duckling. Oh, do so by all means, said the hen. So, away went the duckling. He floated on the water and ducked underneath it, but he was looked at askance and was slighted by every living creature for his ugliness. Now autumn came. The leaves in the wood. Turned yellow and brown. The wind took hold of them and they danced about. The sky looked very cold and the clouds hung heavy with snow and hail. A raven stood on the fence and croaked, caw, caw, from sheer cold. They made one shiver only to think of it. The poor duckling was certainly in a bad case. One evening, the sun was just setting in wintry splendor when a flock of beautiful large birds appeared out of the bushes. The duckling had never seen anything so beautiful. They were dazzlingly white with long, waving necks. They were swans and uttering a peculiar cry. They spread out their magnificent broad wings and flew away from the cold regions to warmer lands and open seas. They mounted so high, so very high, and the ugly little duckling became strangely uneasy. He circled round and round in the water like a wheel, craning his neck up into the air after them. Then he uttered a shriek so piercing and so strange that he was quite frightened by it himself. Oh, he could not forget those beautiful birds, those happy birds. And as soon as they were out of sight, he ducked right down to the bottom. And when he came up again, he was quite beside himself. He did not know what the birds were or whither they flew But all the same, he was more drawn towards them than he had ever been by any creatures before. He did not envy them in the least. How could it occur to him even to wish to be such a marvel of beauty? He would have been thankful if only the ducks would have tolerated him among them, the poor ugly creature. The winter was so bitterly cold that the duckling was obliged to swim about in the water to keep it from freezing over. But every night, the hole in which he swam got smaller and smaller. Then it froze so hard that the surface ice cracked and the duckling had to use his legs all the time so that the ice should not freeze around him. Alas, He was so weary that he could move no more, and he was frozen fast into the ice. Early in the morning, a peasant came along and saw him. He went out onto the ice and hammered a hole in it with his heavy wooden shoe and carried the duckling home to his wife. There he soon revived. The children wanted to play with him, but the duckling thawed. They were going to ill-use him and rushed in his fright into the milk pan and the milk spurted out all over the room. The woman shrieked and threw up her hands. Then he flew into the butter cask and down into the meal tub and out again. Just imagine what he looked like by this time. The woman screamed and tried to hit him with the tongs. The children tumbled over one another in trying to catch him, and they screamed with laughter. By good luck, the door stood open, and the duckling flew out among the bushes and the newly fallen snow, and he lay there, thoroughly exhausted. But it would be too sad to mention all the privation and misery he had to go through during the hard winter, And the sun began to shine warmly again. The duckling was in the marsh, lying among the rushes. The larks were singing, and the beautiful spring had come. Then, all at once, he raised his wings, and they flapped with much greater strength than before and bore him off vigorously. Before he knew where he was, he found himself in a large garden where the apple trees were full in blossom, and the air was scented with lilacs, the long branches of which overhung the indented shores of the lake. Oh, the spring freshness was delicious. Just in front of him, he saw three beautiful white swans advancing toward him from a thicket. With rustling feathers, They swam lightly over the water. The duckling recognized the majestic birds and he was overcome by a strange melancholy. I will fly to them, the royal birds, and they will hack me to pieces because I, who am so ugly, venture to approach them. But it won't matter. Better be killed by them than be snapped at by the ducks, backed by the hens, spurned by the henwife, or suffer so much misery in the winter. So he flew into the water and swam towards the stately swans. They saw him and darted towards him with ruffled feathers. Kill me, said the poor creature, and he bowed his head towards the water and awaited his death. But what did he see reflected in the transparent water? He saw below him his own image, but he was no longer a clumsy, dark, gray bird, ugly and ungainly. He was himself a swan. It does not matter in the least having been born in a dockyard, if only you come out of a swan's egg. He felt quite glad of all the misery and tribulation he had gone through, for he was the better able to appreciate his good fortune now and all the beauty which greeted him. The big swans swam round and round him and stroked him with their bills. Some little children came into the garden with corn and pieces of bread, which they threw into the water, and the smallest one cried out, There is a new one. And the other children shouted with joy, Yes, a new one has come. And they flapped their hands and danced about, running after their father and mother. They threw the bread into the water, and one and all said, The new one. Is the prettiest of them all. He is so young and handsome. And the old swans bent their heads and did homage before him. He felt quite shy and hid his head under his wing. He did not know what to think. He was very happy, but not at all proud, for a good heart never becomes proud. He thought of how he had been pursued in scorn, and now he heard them all say that he was the most beautiful of all beautiful birds. The lilacs bent their boughs right down into the water before him, and the bright sun was warm and cheering. He rustled his feathers and raised his slender neck a lot, saying with exultation in his heart, I never dreamt. I was so much happiness when I was the ugly duckling. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.